Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to episode 58 of the Undergang Armchair Podcast. My name is Ando. Oh boy, here we go. It's uh, It's been pretty wild. It's it's hard to keep up over here. There's been a lot going on. Got a lot of, uh, you know, stuff happening with my work and uh, been invited to do some things. And these are all good things. But as as par for the course in the art world, it is short notice. Hold on. Today on the show, we do have the immense talent, Robert McNally, and he's here to say it like it is. So that's a real pleasure. Stick around. It is, however, a slightly shorter talk. We don't always get as much time with the artists as we want. So this one's a little shorter. So I'm actually going to take the moment to uh, to speak a little bit more here on the intro. I know I'm not Mark Marin. I know this is not stand-up comedy. But uh, there is a lot going on, and I just wanted to to talk about that. In the course of two weeks, I've been invited to partake in a portfolio review and also partake in a European photo festival. And these things are great, but I'm curious if the life of the artist is like this. Is it always last minute? Is it always working 12, 14-hour days to reach whatever deadlines you might have? If any of you working artists out there who don't have day jobs, does it get better? That's the big question in my mind. Or is it is it like this, that you just have periods of incredible amounts of work or periods which there's less to do? Kind of, you know, does it ever even out is the big question. Is it like a nine to five job where you can go home and, and not think about your art? Or is it is it full time? If it is full time, a lot of the artists I do know, it is it, it's, it's 24 hours a day. The question becomes, why do we do this? Now, in my mind, there is no, I never doubt it. I don't ever wonder if I'm doing the wrong thing or should I maybe look into something else that never happens, but I wonder why. What is the driving force? And that is essentially what this show is about too. So I guess we're just going to have to keep talking it out. But if anybody wants to weigh in, we'd love to hear it. What is it exactly if you know, that drives you. To me, it is clearly worth it. That's all I know. For whatever reason, personal, universal, whatever it is, it is worth it. So I got through getting everything ready and shipping a crate off to a faraway city of works, and I'm not even going to go down there and see it. So, you know, you just cross your fingers and hope it goes well. And then this weekend, I'm taken off to another European city in order to uh, partake in my first portfolio review. This is a thing kind of specific to the photo world in which you get 20-minute meetings with industry people and it's either a networking thing if they like your work or it's a uh, advice and mentoring thing if uh, people feel that you need some help. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but it does relate to today's conversation with Rob as well. The man is a hard worker and he's, uh, he's absolutely right about the hard work. He tells some anecdotes. I won't relate them here, but uh, he learns some harsh lessons about the need to be dedicated because why else would you do this if you're not dedicated? There's no reason. You can't lie to yourself. You know, there's, it's the whole thing about dreaming. You know, let's say some people want to be a pop star. Some people want to be actors or actresses. 
you can only lie to yourself for so long. At a certain point, it just becomes hard work. So, you know, again, where's the motivation? But Rob is right about the hard work, and you can see it. You can see the results of his hard work and what he does. I also really appreciate, we started talking a little bit about comedians and artists and and the similarities there, too. And it's something I think about a lot. The inspiration for this show came from listening to a lot of podcasts by comedians. And the questions they're asking each other about their work, I think, are the questions artists should be asking each other about their work. Why do you do it? It's a solitary life. It's hard work. You spend a lot of time alone. You know, if they're actually in a lot of ways similar and, you know, you have to walk the line, you have to think about the dark side and the light side and, and you're not always sure exactly why you're doing it. So that's enough rambling for the beginning. It's just one of those periods in which there's a, a lot on my mind and a lot going on. So instead, here comes a talented artist who's going to tell you about what he does. This is a great conversation and it's a pleasure to meet somebody like Rob in the art world, which is significantly less chatty than the comedy world so i appreciate somebody who is straightforward and honest engaged someone who works hard and all those things which make basically for excellent human beings no matter what it is you choose to do so with no further ado rob mcnally people enjoy Like I had the, the places that I really wanted to go in the States at that point was um, I want to go, go to San Francisco, I want to go to Miami for some fucking unknown reason, <laughs> I'm, which I now think like, what, what the hell was that about? And, and New Orleans, and New Orleans was like the most disappointing place I've been How so? in the States. I've actually never been there. I, heard it, I thought it was supposed to be good. Well, I, was, I left two days before Hurricane Katrina happened. Oh. So I guess it's a completely different... Um, thing now I mean that was such a like change in event for the whole city demographic yeah. and up until that point I just felt like I was in a theme park the whole thing was like um, fucking French quarter fatties yeah. walking around and- I mean the best part of it was that I was staying in a um, staying in this place called the Canal Street Guest House and it was like an inexpensive um, pretty much like a boarding house there was people living there like a couple of like destitute like, people? Not not really destitute. They were nice. Um, it was like a really old guy called James. And he spoke like my vision of a southerner from a movie. Just like this draw. He's a really, really nice guy. But so like sheltered from... I don't like. I, I think when I was speaking to him, he said he'd never left New Orleans before. There's a lot of people in America who have never seen the ocean. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't. I don't doubt it. I've heard this number. I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard that about 15 percent of Americans have a passport. I would. I would completely believe that. That's crazy, though. Think about that. 85 percent of a country has never left the country. 85 percent of a country of people have never left the country, and it's the one country where people think that they've got the right and the most judgment of everything else that's right. outside and they that know country. what's going yeah, on. They know. They know. <laughs> Can't tell them anything. Um, but I do want to hear. Let's 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 quickly like where where did it all start? You went to art school. Did mm. you go that route? Yeah. Did you walk out of there? I think there is another route. <laughs> sure, there is. There's people who don't. Well, yeah. No, I don't know. Like, yeah, there can be, but it wasn't the route that I took. Did you walk out of there Sorry. disillusioned or ready to go? No, no. I was like, I have. I had a, 
I guess I had formed a plan mm. in that space of time. And you were doing it, you were going to be a professional, you were going to... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, well, I just find my, that my university experience was, was, was disappointing, but it, it had the right effect, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. When I, when, exactly. I first, when I first went there, when I first went there, it's like I'm in London and and I'd come from Newcastle. hadn't I'd been you know to London and stuff, but um, the feeling that you're with people who are all the they were the best in their respective kind of schools, and there's a lot of like egos there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have much of an ego. I just had done everything automatically: go to school, GCSEs, A levels, and then pass them. And not really commit myself particularly, mm-hmm. and um, I got like knocked back from the university that I wanted to go to and in the end like totally had an awakening was like fuck 19 years old I actually have to sort it out I've got to start doing something and um, then I went to London and like the first crit the first project I just tried to do it the way that I always had like the bare minimum want to see what everybody else has done first and um sort of like pull a couple of excuses out or oh, I lost half my work somewhere and pretty cack handed and lazy and the guy just looked me in the face and was just like what, who, where the fuck do you think you are what do you think that shit's gonna fly you're fucking pathetic you're at university you're paying for this and I was like oh god um, but it had been good ever since then yeah well ever since then but he didn't turn out to be a person who was awe inspiring cavalier like it wasn't like that at all. He was just sort of like, oh, fucking another one of these kind of thing. Right. And ever since then, I became like a immensely hard worker with a really good work ethic. But he never gave me credit for that after that. He just he badged me as that person on that in that first oh, month. Boom. And I went for like the, the three years afterwards working so unbelievably hard, like extracurricular. I was working, you know, 24 hours a day at university, outside of university. And... And even at the end, the guy was just like, had me pegged as the lazy, lazy guy. But that was like the story of university. Everybody was made to fit into their little box and, and you're not allowed out of that. Do you think he was doing it for your benefit? Like he thought no, it would help you no, never absolutely to not. be? It, it worked. And I'm sure that if you had him here right now, he'd be like, oh, yes, that was my plan all along. Mate. <laughs> you know, he had like, he's the university, the head of the course. And he had this little badge that he would wear that said, give up on art on it. Oh, so he was a bitter, bitter person. The the university, or I guess a lot of art schools, are like a breeding ground for bitterness. But then I listened to your recording with David and his his story about going to um, Bath or Bristol or wherever it was. Mm. But that's what I wanted, like tutor, right? To be blasted off into a community that is supportive and. I think it's a mix. I mean, I do think there is some truth to the old myth that, you know, failed artists teach art. It hurts. It's brutal. I don't think it's absolutely like there's just some people who are amazing teachers too. Like, yeah, but that, I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you don't really, you can't really get a feeling for that when you go for the university meeting because you're trying to get in there. You, you, 
it's got to be mutual. You've got to be interviewing them and they've got to be interviewing you. But when you're 18, 19 years old, you're too intimidated and self-conscious that you can't fucking do that. You just can't. You don't know enough to walk in there and say, well, actually, I'm going to give you five grand a year. What are you going to do for me? Right, you can't shop you around. You can't do that. You're not in a position. You're not shopping around. It's and, true. Um, and it's like, it's sort of like trying to, a lot of trying to succeed in art is like made people, in, put people in a position where they've got to put the horse before the cart. Right. You've got to try and pretend that you're, or act like you're something more than you are. And of course, you're not going to be that at an early part in your career. Not at all. It's impossible. You can't. You don't have enough, like, not everybody can be like Jackson Brown, you know, 17 years old, writing profound music. Right. Handsome and the whole package at that right. point, it's just not going to happen. Right. We're just um, normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not like going to rag on my whole university experience, but well, that's it the- just wasn't like going to Camberwell. It wasn't like a campus-based uni thing where you're you're living the life, and it was just like work. It was like work. I worked. I had to work to support myself the whole time. So I had like a weekend job, mm. like Saturday, Sunday were off because I was working in a shop. Mm. Um, and it's like I worked at the weekend, and then I went to uni and I worked, and whatever like fun and carnage came in between happened, but it had nothing to do with like a, a campus life where you you other students were like your peers and you were in it together everyone was just like just people just didn't give a fuck about each other that's what I that's what I feel so much like you'd sit drinking in the student bar and people would be nice to you one minute and the next minute if they were with another set of friends and they were just cold shoulder and didn't want to know and all right fine it's going to be like that well I'll just do my own thing yeah cameo by David No, no, we're good. No. We're sensitive, whiny foreign people. We can't. <laughs> no, I we used can't to drink it. Cabin. I used to drink it before. Like, did you get like, all squirrely? No, just change from one from one month to the next. I used to drink it, and then all of a sudden, I just start getting like these heart problems, and um, I don't know if I'm like allergic to it. But I went to see like a cardi- cardiologist sort of thing, and mm. it just makes me go really anxious and antsy, and I can't sleep. Um, we were talking about. I think we were ragging on art school. Yeah, which I don't. Like, which honestly, I don't. I don't really want to do because because it's not. I don't think that you should rag on art school because I did get a very positive thing out of it. And to to finish the story of what happened to me in art school, um, they did a project where they were really trying to get people to to leave the art school and like make make connections outside of the school like networking yeah sort of like that and I did it I got obsessed with that I was really fucking into it I was into fashion like way more than when than drawing or art but it just I kind of got to the bottom of that and saw what a husk it was kind Mm. of thing Mm. and you've got like your final show at uni and um they started talking about I had like my best mate at uni we used to talk about like everything and we always said look the final show is the it's the one you have to nail it you've got to do it's your big opportunity it's, it's the only chance to like bridge that gap don't want to get the my year out of uni having no connection whatsoever mm. so um in like i think october of that year so really early the the year finished the final show was in may and in october i started working on a drawing and it was like whatever seven or eight months i worked on this one 1.5 meters squared piece of paper and did like a really intense well-constructed drawing that like had a whole 
span of all the things I had learned in that time. Like I, I could see how quickly I learned or found what I wanted to draw, mm. and I, I drew it from left to right in so the course of this one in drawing. the course of the draw. And that I'm like starting off almost in this really pathetic novice street art kind of style, and then I get sick of that and, and it moves and what have you. And anyway, at any rate, um, it was successful and I bridged the gap I got selected out of my the University of the Arts London has this like this show of all of the the pick of the different disciplines mm. and they put it all together into one show that's called like the future map and it's got okay. 30 people in across the like St. Martin's Camberwell Wimbledon the, the, sure. the, the schools that make up that, that uni and I got picked up by a gallery off the back of that Ooh, that's not nice. Like it, you it, missed but, a whole painful period. Yeah, there. which at the time, because it just happened that way, I didn't have any concept of how unbelievably difficult it is to do that job. <laughs> so Jesus hard, Jesus Christ, it's like, <laughs> it's the... Oh, Look, man, I'm should, honestly, I'm still not even there. I can talk about it like it's, like it's, it's looked like how fortunate, but I did do eight months solid of work and I was the first person in in the morning the last person out at night and I was begging the university to like give me the the worst thing that happened was when Easter time came and they closed the there's the Easter break for everybody for a week I was like I can't fucking I need to break the wind I need to break into uni to work on this drawing some more and right. I did try to do that but it just didn't work out because I ended up breaking my arm not doing it but doing something else because oh, no. I got drunk out of, out of frustration and I ended up breaking my arm very badly Oh man! And, um, but Hopefully not your drawing arm. It was my drawing arm. I had to do. I had to finish this piece of work that I was already really frustrated and wound up about with uh, my arm in a cast. My right arm. Jesus, it was fucked. Yeah, so it was that terrible. became more than a week. Actually, no. Hold on a second. No, it must have been. Yeah, no, it was my right arm. But I mean, okay. So, so there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it like Jesus Christ, you're lucky, or you can look at it like Goddamn, I worked hard. But that, that, I deserve this. I know, but that's like that must be something in my own self judgment because I'm more more really on the side of like fuck, that's really lucky. But I should be like, well, actually, I guarantee I you, the person who took a I picture did, of the poo I worked my ass off on this, right? And, and the did. people who didn't work their ass off probably didn't get a gallery. I think I was the only one out of the whole right. Class. So I mean, that does say something. It's probably a bunch of both. It's not. It's not as if um, I didn't just get a gallery and get representation and get signed up it just it opened the dialogue and then had to be tried out in a group show and then tried out in an sure. art fair and then sure. build it up like that sure. it wasn't like they turned around and said oh we'll give you a solo show right here's and, 100 grand but it, this is how I ended up working with David as well because the gallery that I was with was in the same building as him on mm. this street Viner Street which mm-hmm. was like a big deal then. Like a big maybe it still is now but yeah it's like um, you know how every city has this like a hub where it's like a community right, kind of thing. That, was, that was the place at the time. Yeah, it was big time. At that, at that time, it was definitely the, the scene. And I kind of tagged in on the end of that before all of the landlords started, recognized what was going on there. And they were like, oh, hold on a second. I think we'll put your rent up for, by like triple. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm probably sure moved. I haven't written, never really talked to David about what moved him out of there, but that's what screwed the gallery I was with. That's usually Basically, what on did that's what happened. Buried him. Right. Absolutely. It was terrible. Right. And um Yeah. That was the end of that. Well, I think it's interesting that you developed this work ethic and, and, and you know, especially I really noticed you said you were wound up about this drawing. 
And I think sometimes when I look at what you make, you know, I don't know much about you. I just know yeah. these beautiful drawings. And, and I would say these works are wound up. Like, it very much reflects that state which you, which you get into. Yeah, I just can't, like, I don't, I don't want to, to, I like the, the way that I work, but it's very hard, and uh, it's, the process of doing it is like winding up a coil spring. What happens when, when you're done? Nothing. Yeah, I used to go completely fucking ballistic. I remember off, absolutely off my nut. Just drink just yourself into a hole. Not, or not, not necessarily like that. No, not not like that. But like start get once I start getting to the end of a draw, and what used to happen like three four years ago, I just start like not being able to close it out, not being able to finish it because I'm already just like itching. My glands are going, and I'm and I can taste the freedom kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a few times where. Like there was one time where I got to the end of the drawing, I was getting to the end of the drawing, and then something happened with the, the delivery or the paperwork for sending it to, to our Basel, to send it to Basel, so it didn't end up happening. And all that pent up aggression couldn't dissipate, it couldn't go anywhere, and, and it ended up like ruining an entire summer because I couldn't, I couldn't relax, I didn't get that hit. And I didn't finish the drawing. I wasn't able to actually finish it. But then I'd end up having to finish it for something else down the road. And it ended up, what would have taken me three or four more days concentrated work. And when I'm in that like insanity, in that bubble, mm. it ended up taking me like a month and a half to do. Wow. And it was just awful. It was awful. Do you need that state to make this work? I mean, are you, do you I'm ever tr- think about it? I try to learn to not, but I think that it is part of to working in this way. Yeah. I don't see another way but I'm trying to I've been trying to change like I'm also going to be getting married and I don't want to I'm just like trying not to be that person and I'm trying really really hard to fight my like my nature and you can change it but it takes a while yeah and according to my girlfriend I have done that a lot like particularly with this I really didn't have a lot of time to to do this to show to put it together Mm. I would want really like eight or nine months to put together a solo show and I had four and a half from the mentioning of it from the get-go wow. and that was like a month and a half worth of, um, worth of planning and writing things out and reading so many books and watching so many movies and doing all the research that I do and then like about two weeks of completely bricking it before I can touch the, the paper what do you mean just flipping out basically not flipping out just like you know like before you, before you do it every time there's like this little bit of self-doubt that's there at the very beginning and with this I'd, I'd, I'd used this material before um, but only to do like testers just testing out mm. the limitations of it but I'd never tried I'd never drawn like a face for example and then at the beginning to do that I didn't know whether I could actually do it but I'd already bought like two and a half grand's worth of material and the, the wheels were in motion you can't like stop that train without a hell of a lot of embarrassment you right. know? or like admitting that you weren't able to do it which I'm just not going to do right and um, and like the second or third drawing I completely fucked it up so I, out of out of all 20 of them I, I screwed up one of them right. it was unsalvageable especially after I put like a pencil through the middle of it <laughs> <After you lost laughs> your shit. stamped all over it <laughs> well I mean it just sounds like it's so related to the work you do that it's part of it you know like you're bound to get wound up well I mean there's a, all day long well 
every day? You don't have to. I mean, it's like comedians. You know, comedians will be all fucked up. They'll be addicts. People. They'll be addicts. <laughs> they're dark ass motherfuckers. They have a horrible, you know, and then they don't want to get therapy because they're afraid they'll lose their comedy, right? Mm, true. And I've never heard one of them be like, "Yep, I lost my comedy." Once I got oh, my but, shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You know, it doesn't have to be. And that then way. there's the other side of them where there's like the comedians who don't seem to have these demons and don't seem to have these problems, but then they're not that funny because. Right. It's the bit that you need, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, my I listen- favorite comedian is a guy called Spike Milligan, and he's he's dead. He's like must have died like fifteen or twenty. No, no, maybe not, not so long ago. But he was like one of the absolute pioneers of British comedy. Okay, he had this thing called the Goons, and it's just so fucking so absurd. But I love that absurdity because it pulls aside the veil of right. what people's. I mean, it is their reality, but it shows you that, you know, it's, there's not, I mean, right. the absurdity of it's just amazing. I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them are by comedians because I'm actually, I think I'm actually weirdly enough as an artist, more inspired by comedians than I am I by am? other artists. No, I am. Because they have the same thing. They're on their own. They have to work their fucking asses off. They have to work in a fucked up industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to fight all their demons, both inside and outside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and unless... They've also got to walk that line as well. Yeah. If they're going to, like, the... If you're going to really push it, then you've got to, like, walk that line of very much upsetting people. And yourself, so you think, Yeah, yourself, other people. Yeah. Um, going to places in your own being that are definitely going to feel uncomfortable and get in a backlash, and it's so... I really can... Um, sort of the loneliness of it of, yeah. of doing that is very um, like realistic to me it's relatable it's very relatable yeah, I can really relate to the uh, that's the word I was looking for um, the like being alone and in it on your own and you can't like depend on any nobody's going to get up there and say your jokes for you or like write them for you or you could be that kind of comedian writing for other people but to me, like the ones who are up there, out there doing it on the road, just raw yeah. on yeah. the stage. Yeah. And it's now better than see the comedian you get drunk and just lose it on stage. That's right. Just like <laughs> right, over, they cross oh, that yeah. line. Yeah, okay, crossing that line is. Right. I, I want to see it. Yeah, which is bound to happen it's if you're course. staying on the line. Like this, this Spike Milligan that I was talking about. He he was in and out of mental institutions, but I mean, like not his whole life, but certainly when he was younger. But he'd served in the First World War. He'd seen unbelievably bad things right. and he couldn't conceal that even though he was, his problem was he was such a like genial kind man and he just wanted people to be like kind but he just knew this other side right. of humanity and he lost his lost his shit when when he was in the middle of the time that he was serving so he'd already been serving for like a year and a half or whatever and um, and he got sort of like a shell shock kind of thing and, and his his major or his captain or his superior said he was a fucking coward and you should be like ashamed of yourself kind of thing and he'd already been there for a year and a half so yeah I mean even back then you weren't there was no such thing as PTSD or anything no, you know, no it's, it's just like it's either you're a bitch or you're not a bitch yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we need some more I think there's PTSD in and the now there's world. too many tags for syndromes yeah I'm so sick of hearing <laughs> American people be like yeah, yeah but I had an ADD that's like the most yeah, but that just means I don't know how to open the talk yeah. to my kids. Like in my right. day, you would have just said, oh, you can't concentrate. Hmm. That's enough. Oh, man, I could go on a whole different tangent on that. Have, some people do have incredibly bad, but I, I think it's like a, a 
buzzword. Yeah, sure. That, like, well, people are over-medicated. Like, oh, okay. I think we can agree that people are over-medicated for sure. Um, but well, where you come from? <laughs> yes. Well, here in Denmark too. Denmark, they take I don't insane think amounts. So much. Not really. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you guys are more just fucking and deal. bite it and drink a beer and you'll yeah, be alright. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's, that's the other side of it, isn't it? There's just so much like just keep it inside pent up tension, and I get I feel this all the time when I go back to England. I don't go. I, don't, I haven't been back there so much um, in the last year and a half because of work and commitments and things. But um, when I go back, people are so pent up. It's so thinly veiled. The, like this feeling of like animosity and aggression. Someone's going to get punched at any second. Oh, without, yeah, I, I mean, go to, go to Newcastle. I absolutely love Newcastle, but that's a part of it that I like. It's it's raw, and I'm probably going to see someone get battered. Mm. But just hopefully not me. Yeah. But within within like at least 30 seconds of coming out of the main train station, someone's going to laugh at my shoes and call us a puff. Mm. That's definitely going to happen. Still. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every time it just brings a smile to my face. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, what do you think? Is it? I mean, is is art a way to deal with aggression and that sort of anger? That's all personal. No, of no, no not really. Not for me because I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel like that. But I'm definitely going to try and like tell the story of it, chronicle it. Yeah. That's what I am trying to do. I mean, because I feel like that sort of anger and pent-up aggression comes from not having some sort of proper outlet often. Which I do. I do. Like, I, I, I'll just have an absolute moan at anybody who will listen. <laughs> it's funny what do putting sports, words... Go boxing. Yeah. yeah. Move I, I did used to drink quite a lot, but now, like, since the start of this, the work for this exhibition, I, I quit. And, um, and Straight up, nothing? I, I, no, honestly, like, on the on the... On New Year's Eve, I had the, my last drink, and I said to myself, like, I'm going to do 20 pieces of work for an exhibition if I drink. See, the problem with drinking and working at the same time is that you have, you tend to be a lot more hungry a lot of the time, and then you get more tired in the middle of working. Right. And um, You eat something shitty, and then you get tired. When you're in it, you think, like, this booze is, it's helping. For me, I, I started using, like, Drinking while working is like a, some sort of duct tape for my boredom because it's really boring. Mm. I'm not going to like glamorize sitting in a room, you know, between 14 and 18 hours a day doing the same thing, Just watching the same <laughs> films. And um, it's and to sit and drink, it makes you think that the time's passing quick, quicker, but actually what's happening is you're working slower. Mm. Um, and that's booze, right? I mean, you just think that something's happening that isn't. Um, I had the same thing with weed. Weed's a complete. It it doesn't. It's not comp- compatible with work, in my opinion. Yeah, it well, isn't for me either. I don't think that you're alone in that. I I think that it's. Uh, I just everybody has their time with it, and there are exceptions. But I I, I think it's a really like negative, um, boring. Just I just think it's opens boring. Opens a hole under your feet. Um, oh, I love it. I still have it inside me where I'm like, oh, right man, now, I could show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this note. Like 20 bags behind your wisdom teeth. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I still have it in me that I'm like, I would love to smoke Nothing weed more than every day. Get a bong right now. Yeah. I mean, of course, it makes me really anxious. So it's, I'm, I'm romanticizing, but I still have that feeling inside mm-hmm. of me. But I don't get anything done. I literally no, get, not gonna get nothing box. done. It's just not going to like, it's, I, don't, I don't believe in it at all. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Alcohol, yeah, but like l- limiting it and using it in the right way. Like I, I would once I get a taste, and I'm like, you know, like it's look at look at outside today. It's so sunny and nice. I could think of nothing more than just like going and mixing up a dog and stormy and just sitting in the sun in the middle of the street. Yeah. On a, on a plank of wood with wheels not on turn it. Up <laughs> my own, not turn up to my own opening and just fuck it off. And yeah. Well, let's hear about this show. Covered in bees. Yeah, I know, but it's such a, it's such a, yeah, you'd also feel guilty at the same time, right? Uh, you would sit there and you wouldn't completely enjoy it. I wouldn't enjoy it. I'm going to do this sober and I'm going to really like it. Yeah. Good for you. Let's hear about this show, though. I mean, it's incredibly detailed. You did it again. You did it again. You didn't think you could do it. You had to stab a piece, but you did it again. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? Do you feel like you've done it? You feel? Yeah, I feel really relieved. Yeah. Massively relieved. Yeah. I mean, this is my first. Yeah, it was really a big ordeal. Fucking high five! Can I gonna, give you a high yeah. five. Like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like, it wasn't a wasn't a walk in the park. What a nice thing, huh? And but it's like I'm just wait, I'm so excited for my life to start again, and it's an opportunity to readdress my working practice and try and not do it the same next time. Mm-hmm. And I say this every time, but this time I feel like I really learned a lesson. Mm. Really, big time. Well, it starts to become harder in your life as you get older too. Well, I, you don't, know? I don't get it. Like I live in I live in Berlin. It's my favorite city in the world. And the last year and a half, I just haven't really... I could have been anywhere. Right. Could have been anywhere. Yeah, seriously, could have been anywhere. Right. Um, Wouldn't have mattered. Well, I mean, now you've depleted the batteries, you could say, and you got to go fill them up in a weird way. But what did... Tell me, I I only heard kind of tangentially about these these drawings. You made them on some special black material. Uh Uh-huh. It's a... It's a black synthetic material. For sucking existence. light out of telescopes, or it's something? like a light absorption material. Yeah, it's um, if you look at it through a microscope, it's like at a molecular level or whatever. It looks like like a forest, like a really dense forest. So when you look at it, it kind of looks like velvety, like mm-hmm. kind of fuzzy in yeah, a way. Yeah. Um, and when light hits it. The, the light beams, they get trapped inside, reflecting around in these kind of micro crevices. So no light gets reflected out, or like a very, very, very small percentage of light gets reflected out. Right. If you look at it in the, in, in the light, really strong light, it's not so impressive, but if you kind of show it a bit in light and a bit out of light, then you can really get a feeling for how dark, it's, it's very dark. It's incredible material. I think that the darkest thing in a natural world and where this idea comes from I believe is a, um, a butterfly there's a butterfly whose wings are the blackest uh, in the natural world kind of thing and that's the same concept that they've, they've they taken reconstructed to do this area, basically is it hard to draw on? I mean does it absorb? hard to draw on? yeah you can't make any mistake yeah. if you touch it with with anything then it leaves a stain and you can't remove that stain right. and um, so like if there's dust particles for Ideally, I'd like to be in a in a static-free, dust-free, surgical environment. Wearing booties, not really and... practical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, so I just had to. It's not perfect. Things have gone onto it, like little particles and what have you. But uh, you know what? Fuck it. It's part of the 
the life of the material and the life of um, the work and it's really not a problem as long as it maintains a kind of good contrast of that that darkness to lightness right. then I'm, I'm fine with it but like yeah you've got to like I'm constantly sticking paper on the on the heel of my hand that's right, how so I do it. it I have a roll of tracing paper and I, and I at the start of the day I cut it up into strips and then I stick it onto the back of my hand and like every you know half an hour I have to take that off and put a new one on wow. and um I'm surprised you only messed up one yeah me honestly too. I mean, might, yeah. we're something that tough to work with yeah I, I didn't I didn't mess it up because of there's a couple of times where I haven't I've dropped a pencil like there was once where I had a pencil in my mouth and it kind of popped oh, out and I tried to no. grab it and I ended up streaking on the pa- on the paper but it was in a part where I was going to draw into anyway so I could cover oh. it up it was covered up it wasn't like a, a f- critical that's a moment mistake. Right? where you're just like Ugh! yeah but that's that's those are the ones that are, you've just got to swallow it you've yeah. just got to take it and Life say goes like on. at least somebody else didn't do it yeah that's true um, apparently uh, I mean we have to really we have to wrap this up real fast actually but 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 the sim I mean you, this is also based off of tarot cards right and you mentioned earlier you did a lot of research is that always how you work are you really preconceiving your drawings before yeah, you get there yeah it's not like you know the final product is what can be described as a drawing but I'm, I don't think of myself as I'm not just that I'm like a I'm a scriptwriter, cinematographer sculptor photographer like everything novel novelist because I'm sitting doing all of this shit building models all day long to to draw to use controlling the lighting like it's not as simple as that and right. that's that's it's one thing that's really sketch. cool about the work it's like it's it's the simplest version of all of that information really even right. though it looks sometimes quite complicated and quite ambiguous it's a real like melting down focusing of a lot of um, information wow I find it hard to keep it simple and simplified that's which is why it's nice to work on um, I chose to work on this like smaller scale right because some of the drawings were just starting to get too um, kind of like fragmented are you working from your gut in terms of like what you're selecting y- yeah I no, mean you yeah. mentioned that it was hard to talk about your work which makes me it's think that really you work difficult. from your gut but I don't gut. at the same time I don't think there's a lot of point in talking about it I think that people say far too much in this day and age and everybody just wants to know and they want to know like how can I people just they don't have any this. fucking patience yeah. right I mean they just want it and they want it now and and if you know if there's no mystery to a piece of work it's just dead and you don't want to know everything I don't if, when I, whenever I visit like a gallery or a museum I don't pick up the literature and read it I want right. to engage with the work and if it doesn't engage with me then I'm sorry but it's like like at university it was a process in teaching people how to spin things mm-hmm. you know do the work and then just you've got like whatever however long to think of a way to explain it to people that sounds like it could that could have been the purpose which I think is just fucking bullshit it's like absolute bullshit didn't want to do a degree in like politics right that's not PR. what I'm here for but, R- but you, you, mark my words you watch people one by one people who really you know the truth because you're hanging around with them they're living in your halls of residence you see them on a day to day basis they're not, they don't do any work they're not doing anything but they'll, they'll just like come up with something in a couple of hours before the crit take it in but they're really good at coming up with some explanation and selling it to the, to the tutor and yes there's something in that but 
I choose not. That's not my way. It's not what I. That's not what I want. Right. Let the work explain. No, it's not for itself. Yeah, but it's it is a lot of artists say that it's really difficult to talk about your work, and it is. It is hard to talk about it. Yeah, I find it is. It's it's a very hard thing, and and again, that's a thing why it it can be very difficult to to get with a gallery because when you've got to talk about something that's so difficult, but you've got to sell yourself to a gallery, show them your work, and give them a really. Conci- concise being concise about it how, how do you do that with something that's so like right. I spent six months doing this full. how can I say it in a paragraph but that's what you got to do right luckily I cut the corner somehow but you can't you can't always just cut the corner with hard work and throw the cards up in the air and hope that they land in the right place because there's so many other times in my life where I've, I've put in unbelievable amounts of work and, and it hasn't worked out it just hasn't worked out that way right and like Having the like ability or the strength to swallow, just swallow that and move on. You got to fail upwards. You can't. You can't like. You can't um, wallow. It's a. It's a thing that you really want to do, especially as like an English person. You just want to wallow in it, but you can't. You can't just wallow in it. You've got to like put it behind you and try and find the silver lining and like move on with with stuff. Right. All right, man. Well, we are unfortunately out of time. I could yeah, go on forever. Are. Yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, my pleasure for coming in, my and congratulations—you made a fucking killer show. <laughs> Thanks, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Cheers. And that was Robert McNally. Go see his work if possible. It is absolutely jaw-dropping in real life. It's jaw-dropping online too, but it is the kind of work you just have to see. I heard from a little bird there's a show coming up in England. We will keep you posted as soon as we know. So, thank you for listening to this episode of The Undergang Armchair. Intro and outro music is kindly provided by Johnny Ripper. And today's interstitial music was provided by Saberlike. You can find links to them and their music and all other things Undergang related on our fantastic website, undergang.net. The show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Please do remember, if you like the show, please tell a friend. Thank you. Wish me luck in the future endeavors, and we will speak together in two weeks' time.